Oh, and you just barely made it. <laughs> you barely made it back. <laughs> Welcome, everyone. Good evening. It's a, it's, it's actually a beautiful, beautiful Saturday today. At least here in Michigan, probably not in Vegas where it's triple digits. But it, it was really nice today. So I'm happy. You got to build, uh, build a chicken coop. So it's a, it's been a good day. Thank you for joining us tonight for another edition of Spilling Ink. Do we still say the live thing? I mean, I'm, I'm still. Yeah. <laughs> live okay live it's, it's force of habit live, live. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, be, and before we get too far because you know how how i like to forget this we got to give a big shout out to our sponsor creative edge publicity um, creative edge your brand your future they are advocates of collaboration and believers in partnerships in the ever-changing literary industry so we are very appreciative to Creative Edge for making it possible for us to have this wonderful video platform <laughs> as well as the audio podcast. So thank you so much for your sponsorship. And we have new guests today, and I am so excited. This is both halves of the author team, O.E. Tierman. Will you, would you guys want to introduce yourselves? You go first. Okay. Hey, I'm Olivia Wiley. I'm one half of O.E. Tierman. I am a trained horticulturist, jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> I'm Nonier Amasidia. I'm the other half. Uh, I go by they, them pronouns, and I write uh, fantasy and science fiction, and I'm the one reining in Olivia's crazy science ideas into something that makes sense. I see. What science? So you're the voice of reason. Okay, I like it. I'm the voice of let's torture our characters. I don't care if the science makes sense. And then <laughs> wants the science to make sense. So she'll come in and be like, "Raw, this doesn't make sense. I have to redo everything." <laughs> balance, though. You have For to have the balance. You, exactly. For those of you who have read the series, no near is the voice that created Aiden, who is our <laughs> sweet, wonderful, way too self-critical um, commander of a rebel base in the year 2155. He is a darling cinnamon roll. And this he gets this from his parent. Our <laughs> friends guy. That, that's not me at all. What are you talking about? <laughs> Well, and well, our other two hosts are all also our our show. Our show is that even a word? I've been drinking all right today. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> did, you get, did you get more Carmel? I didn't. I, I'm drinking up anything else I can find in the house right now. Right okay. Now. But, I'm still in California. Don't go for the rubbing alcohol. <laughs> yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> uh, Katie and Jane are also a uh, a writing team together, and they've. Uh, how many guys have you guys put out already? Three, three, three already. Three. Oh, well. Yeah, that's pretty like fun. <laughs> so, uh, which which one of you has to rein the other one in, Katie and Jane? Either one of you? I think it's no. it's really equal. Like. <laughs> Yeah, we both are like, that's a great, crazy idea. Let's go with it. <laughs> we just, I, I, we, we make a really good team. We, you know, work off each other and kind of give free reign on the direction to go in. <laughs> yeah. 
it helps though when you know the person you've known them for a long time you know their style they know your style because it really is you know it's got to be a partnership you both have to come together and make the story work yes agreed and the other thing is making those making those boundaries um and making those decisions about this is a good time for us to work together this is not, and being open with each other about those kinds of things. When you can work that out in a partnership, it is a beautiful thing. And when it doesn't work. Have there been times like that? Oh yeah, it, it oh. took us a while. Um, Cause when we get stressed, we do completely opposite things. Um, well, so like what, not, give, give us an Olivia, example. <laughs> yeah, Olivia likes to like throw herself completely into projects and be super overproductive and do all the things. And when I get too stressed, I have to withdraw myself time to rest and not do anything. And so, especially early on when we were working together, there were times where uh, I was just going through a lot of stuff. And I, Liv would come to me after I got home at work and be like, hey, so I got this brand new idea and I'm gonna throw all these things at you. And I'm just like, oh my God, no, I need to, I need to decompress. So I had to learn to say, hey, you got the bandwidth for this today. Do you have spoons for this today? Before I went off on the great idea, because we do the exact opposite. And in that way, we both complement each other and drive each other crazy. Because when I can't handle reality, I dive into fictional worlds. I go off and write or create as a way to not look at life. Yeah. And so whenever I'm going through something, you can tell because I'm like, I have a project. I have a project. He goes and creates and I go and consume. Yes. Well, and it's it's funny as is I have a little bit I have a little bit of both of you going on when I like when I get really excited about a project. Like I'm I'm working on a on a super secret film project right now. That's actually a lot of fun. But I'm in excitement mode. But excitement mode quickly turns to stress mode. Mm -hmm. And then I'm I'm emailing people and when these people don't write me back within, you know, twenty four hours, all of a sudden I'm in panic mode. And then I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna go eat every single thing in the pantry and go to sleep and cry. And that's <laughs> that's just the cycle I live in this point. <laughs> oh, that's hard. <laughs> I I tend to be well. Partly this is biology and partly it's personality. I tend to live in my head and I live creatively, but that means my body sometimes has to say, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and so I will sometimes run for two or three weeks on projects at a time and forget to eat on a regular basis during that time. And then I'll just have one day where I crash and I'm exhausted. I can't move. I don't I'm tired as anything, not I can't move, but I don't want to. And that's about the time that I realize I've been overdoing it again. Crap. Which is why when we're not in a pandemic, we try to get together like every other week so I can look at her and be like, have you eaten? Yes, but also so we can toss ideas back and forth in a, t in a preset time where we're together and we're feeling, you know, playful and feel like hanging out. And it's not me going, hey, hey, thing. I want to talk to you about thing. I don't bother them because I know that's for this time period. And that worked a lot better. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a lot of learning each other's needs and each other's boundaries. And sometimes just being really honest. Like these days, it used to be because I come from what 
I love this new term that I've heard, guest culture. My In my family, you don't ask questions straight out. You try to respect others by figuring it out yourself, hmm. which leads to some real passive aggressive bullshit. I'm just... <laughs> Interesting. But um, I would try to be like, well, what about this? And what about this? And now I just say, you know, I'm feeling really creative. I want to work on something. Do you have the spoons? And just be open about it. And once I learned openness recently, yes, I'm getting better at it. I'm getting better, but it's a slow process. Well, and I I think that asking people that, do you have the spoons for it? And and a lot of people know what that means. Not, Not everyone, but... I think that that is so conscientious because, you know, like I, I might come home from, from work and, and my wife's, my wife's business is completely on hold because of, you know, pandemic. And so she, she hasn't talked to anybody all day except for the kids. And she just wants to throw all this at me. And I, and and it's like, okay, well, I just put down two animals in the last 60 minutes. I have got nothing, you know, I'm nothing, nothing, nothing. And, but unless you communicate that they don't know. And then, Right. leads to misunderstandings or frustration. So, yeah, I, th- I think that that's fantastic that you have that open channel of communication that you could say, I can't quite do this today. Let's let's pick it up tomorrow. For, for people who don't understand the whole spoon thing, I mean, most people oh. do, but for people that don't, especially our audience, if there's somebody out here who doesn't, can we explain that briefly to them? Okay. Who's yeah, no near, will you? Uh, sure. Uh, so basically... Uh, your, your eyes were like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> doing this at conventions like on the spot (laughs) anyway spoon theory uh i forget exactly when it started to show up but um get to that question in a minute um basically means uh how much energy you have It, it was developed to help with um people with disabilities and um chronic illnesses and basically say, okay, everyone gets 12 spoons a day. And that represents your energy for any given day. And that's it, you only get 12 spoons. And some activities take one spoon or this amount of energy and some activities take this amount of energy. Um, <clears throat> that makes sense. Sorry, yeah. that was well, not well, yeah. and, and so, you know, if you, if you, yes. if yeah. you have your, your your yeah, spell slots. I love that. I love Apex. it. Apex. I love it. Power HP. Yes. Um, I, I'm old school, so I tend to talk in bandwidth. I'm like, do you have bandwidth for this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I understood that better than spoons. Well, yeah, and it, it's just you know, and it's something I only learned a few years ago. But but really, it's you know, and and if you're having a really bad day, you know, something like you know, putting your clothes on in the morning, that might take a spoon or two just for you to be able to do that. And that's okay, you know, be, because we, we all feel things differently. But but yeah, right. it's, it's a really interesting theory. And when I first read it, I was like, oh my God, that's that's amazing. And funny story that that's not actually humorous at all. Um, <laughs> it, it was, funny story. <laughs> I think it was two years ago um, <laughs> in, in the summer in June, uh, the end of June uh, is when I, oh no, my headphones. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Cat interference. Oh. Oh. I, I tried to do the over ear headphones and I just did not like the way they felt. But oh man, she loves to, to grab those suckers. Um, but uh, I, I, had, I had just recently. <laughs> um, 
I, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you later, Jules. Um, you know, I had just recently learned about spoon theory, and then someone, a friend who's not even a, a close friend online, uh, posted about it, something about spoons, and I, I sent her a message, and I said, you know, what happens when you're completely out of spoons and you're you not going to keep going? And uh, and that and that was a really bad time for me, and I I ended up having to to go to the hospital because you know there was just bad stuff that went down, but it was at that point. But it, it was it was also amazing because immediately, even though she doesn't know me well and she doesn't know my wife at all. Um, she somehow tracked down and, and ended up calling her and saying, hey, we've got a, a problem here and we need to talk about this. And uh, things got resolved that way. But but yeah, that's that's kind of my, my spoon theory story is that, you know, you, you can run out of spoons. And yeah. and yeah. at that point, it's it's it sucks, you know, and, and you've got to have somebody to talk to. But it's a really um, good, easy way to discuss things that are hard to talk about. Agreed. I, I have, we all have our own tells for when we run out of spoons. And for me, my tell is I come home, I knock over a glass, it breaks, I start bursting into tears and basically saying, I mess everything up. And that's when my husband, who's trained in neurobiology, he's like, uh, you have no bandwidth right now. Why don't I cook? You sit down. And because he knows that once I do that, I'm done. <laughs> Once I've gone to that place, I'm done and I need to go sit down. But everybody has their own tells. Some people lose their temper because they don't have any energy left to keep the control. Yep. I lose my confidence. I just become, I mess everything up. That kid, I become that little 13 year old who thinks everything's going wrong when I'm stressed beyond belief. And that's, um, it's really powerful to realize that and become self-aware in that. And it's partly part of what we work into our writing is our characters becoming self-aware and being able to cope with, Oh, I'm doing that. And in fact, um, we have one character who's outwardly very, um, very perfected, but he tends to lose his temper when he's stressed. Um, we just got a comment that I really love. I measure life in teacups. My husband knows to give me a hug if I have more than seven cups of tea a day. Jenna, I am right there with you. If my husband sees me have three pots of tea, he's like, did you get a call from your mom? <laughs> and my mom is someone I love dearly, but a constant source of stress in my life. And so if she, he sees me suck down three pots of tea, he's like, feeling okay. <laughs> so I sympathize deeply with that. Um, but uh, there was a question a little earlier about what we did for a living. Uh, do we want to move on to that? Because I want to answer it before I forget. Because I have a freebie about yes. measuring your HP for the day. Yes. Oh, let's do it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, so my actual job is uh, I do social media for a cancer awareness campaign uh, called Catch It in Time. The job I actually love and will talk about more is um, I'm starting have my own business called Wandering Jotun Crafts. That is art and spiritual services for the outcasts. It's all things designed to uplift and support marginalized communities. Um, it. It's a little bit on hold right now because a lot of it's through conventions and that's not really a thing right now. Yeah. <laughs> 
piggybacking off of that, you need to get her brain, their brain beasties deck. Sorry about that, no near. Um, you need to get their brain beasties deck because their brain beasties deck is awesome. It's an Oracle deck where half of it is things that people tend to uh, struggle with mentally, like self-depreciation and um, being hangry, things of that nature. And the other half is things to help you cope with that. Um, I would say yes, go buy it, but I only have one copy on me. And the <laughs> oh shit! Sorry. Go get can, them. Can we see it? I mean, is it right there? Um, it's somewhere. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't, you just teased us with something awesome. Uh, Olivia, what do you do during the day? Oh, um, so during the day, I own a small residential landscaping company. Ah. So I, a um, few years ago, so I, I'm trained in horticulture. I have my um, degree in horticulture mm -hmm. and I worked for several different companies and things went a little crazy. Things went sideways. And I said, why am I working for a jerk? I got the skills to do this on my own. Mm -hmm. And so I bought a used truck and I started working with clients and I love it because I'm very strict about, I don't work weekends. I don't move snow. I live my life and I do good work and I do not half-ass a job in order to get to another client's house. If I don't get there that day, I move the schedule. Any client who can't handle me saying, Hey, got a little bit behind. I'll see you on Tuesday. I drop. And that sounds callous from the outside, but I did yeah. this specifically because I got sick of working for contractor companies that would say, no, just half-ass the job. You've got to get over here by two o'clock. Like, no, I do the job right. Well, and I, I think if, if I remember correctly, it all started with a shield, a tumbleweed, and a musician, right? That was how I met my husband. <laughs> uh, I can't remember so, exactly. Um, Yes. Well, and, and then, yes. The, the, um, the reason that came up is because I hate tumbleweeds and I found out they're invasive. So I have every right to hate them. Um, so yeah, they're actually from Mongolia. They're from the steppes of Russia originally. So now I, now I don't feel bad about hating them whatsoever. So, um, I am Irish Menominee and the family book is that I got Irish skin and Menominee hips. And so I burn what under does that the sun. Mean? <laughs> the Menominee are a people of the upper Northwest, the Wisconsin forests, and they tend to come along more rounded uh, oh. contours. Like me. And, yeah. And <laughs> like um, so, I mean, where your hip bones are tells you exactly how much weight you actually should lose. And when your hip bones, when you can feel your hip bones, this is what I tell my younger cousins. If you can feel your hip bones and there's not a lot of fat on them, then that's the shape of your hips. You can't lose weight and, and go I down. I like this conversation. Your hips are right here. <laughs> I don't like this conversation at all. <laughs> it's really good to tell the 15 year olds who are talking about trying to lose weight because I'm telling them, feel for your hip bones. If your hip bones are there, you need to stop trying to lose weight because no. your bones are there. Unless you have the 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 uh, what we call it the Provo butt. That's that's my family side of the family. <laughs> yeah, it's all in the back. <laughs> and the reason I brought it up is because I burn under this Colorado sun. I was born to be under the cover. 
I burn like anything. I do not tan. And so I wear a hat that comes out to here and a man's button down shirt over a tank top rolled up so that I have sleeves, um, thin sleeves. And it also saves you when you're cutting, say, manzanita, pyracantha roses. Yeah. And um, then I wear men's jeans because women's jeans are made out of tissue paper. And I wear boots. And pretty much I am pandemic safe. I'm covered head to toe. And then I just take the bandana that I usually use for, yep, put it around my nose and mouth. Because I normally, I always wear a bandana partly to protect my throat. Yeah, like this area that maybe gets. <laughs> yeah, sunglasses, sunglasses. But yeah, I'm pretty much completely safe. Um, but I love my work. Um, it feeds a lot. Oh, sorry. No, dear. Go ahead. You joke about you think that we think that you're that pale because of the lighting in your room. You're actually that pale. Yeah. I'm actually, <laughs> I am actually this pale. Um, so last funny joke on my background, because I want to move on the conversation. I don't want to monopolize. But um, my Menominee name is Nadaskle, which is the human, it means of the otter or otter child. Um, but the word for mushroom is Nataskwe. So guess what I was called all through childhood? To this day, when I go home, people are like, mushroom, we love you. We haven't seen you forever. I'm like, uh-huh, I love you too. <laughs> so yeah, um, my my family looks like a checkerboard, everyone, or like a, uh, a, a color chart where everybody's all across the spectrum. And uh, so I wanted to bring that up because a lot of the work about horticulture ends up feeding into the writing, designing what Colorado would look like. And also how would you grow all this food for in a climate where it normally hits 114 degrees on a bad day, it's 120. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been very fun to design some of that. Um, and <laughs> yeah, and it, it also feeds into thinking about adaptation. Like when you look like me and you live in Colorado and you like being outside, you learn a lot about adaptation and that has fed right into how we dress our characters because they live in the Colorado Badlands in the year 2155. Mm -hmm. And they have a poncho and their normal outdoor gear is wide brim hat, poncho, heavy stuff underneath and a vest with coolant in it and or a jacket with coolant in it to keep their body temperature from spiking to the point where you pass out. Mm -hmm. Yay! <laughs> I'm actually river otter. So but I always love all of them. Oh yeah, I was gonna share my screen and show you pictures. Yay! Sorry. I got distracted by like family stuff. That's okay. <laughs> I always like that, that saying that we're taught as writers is write what you know, but I, I've always thought of it as adapt what you know to what you're writing. And I exactly. like the way that, that you're talking about the things that you know and figuring out how it will apply to your story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's totally exactly what happens. And we write um, a unit in a resistance force, but they're basically a found family. So that's also write what we know, because I come from this huge intergenerational family with 27 first cousins and all these aunts and uncles. Yay! I'm so I'm sorry. I'm so glad you're going to show it. And, no, and, we, have, really trippy. <laughs> and we have this wonderful, um, I mean, we're also writing what Nonia knows with um, a lot of details about mental health. Mental and health and the queer community are kind of my wheelhouses for this series. 
Yeah. Well, I should actually show the books. So well, well I was gonna say, well, let me make you let me make you bigger yeah, sorry. a minute here. I was gonna say I would actually stop it, Katie. I would sorry. actually <laughs> I would actually like it if you guys could could tell us about these books. Yeah. Yes. Show us the cover. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this is book one, The Hands Were Given. And there's gonna you're gonna see a lot of poker terminology because the team in the books are the wild cards, and they got that name originally because they weren't sure if they were going to work out as a unit, the leadership. So they said, "All right, you're the wild cards. We're not sure if you'll work, <laughs> uh, but they love it and they stick with it." So this is book two in the series it's called "Call the Bluff," and the next one is book three, "Raise the Stakes." And the fourth one comes out on May 16th, and it's going to be called Aces and Eights. Those covers are fantastic. Thank you. Um, Neil and Vivian Press does them, and they do an amazing job on them. And we used to have a different cover artist, but I love these so much. They make me very, very happy. I love our little press. Thank you, Amphibian. You are the best. <laughs> Amphibian Press. Why does that? Why do I know that name? Why do I know that name? V.S. Holmes. Oh, that's V.S. Yeah. Yes. Duh. Okay. Okay. Sorry. I, was like, I wasn't sure if I... you were joking because I know no. you guys know each other. <laughs> He's been drinking today. I have been drinking. <laughs> so you were asking um, about the series. No near, yes. do you want to lead off or do you want me to? Your pitch is so much better. No, than no near. Come on. I, I want to hear yours because I've already uh, heard Olivia's. Yeah, you made me do it the last time. <laughs> I know, but your pitch is so much better. Um, okay, so basically, <laughs> it's what we call a hopeful, hopeful queer cyberpunk story. And it's set, um, like Liv said, 2155. And it follows a group of rebels called the Wildcards who are part of a larger force attempting to bring democracy back to an America that has been overtaken by seven giant corporations who are now leading it. Um, basically, the backstory of that is the government was shut down for 11 months. Uh-huh. There was an 11-month government shutdown. Wait and during that time... What's yeah, happening here? <laughs> yeah, the corporations stepped in and they were like, hey, hey. Pay your taxes to us. And we'll is one of them care. Amazon? <laughs> well, Zoncom is one of them. <laughs> and there's nothing as delicious. Go ahead. <laughs> to be a warning, not a premonition. Because our we started writing this long before any of this happened, and um, here we are. So, whoops. <laughs> yeah, all dystopian has been moved to current events. Just so you know. Yeah, we've noticed. <laughs> And in fact, we've gotten some commentary about quit writing things. You're giving them ideas. <laughs> That's where the hopeful yeah. comes in. Like, Sorry, guys. If we are giving them ideas, then maybe things will eventually get better like they do in the series. Yes. Oh. This is our decision. I, all I know will get better. I want to be a part of the wild cards. I just, I just want to be on their crew. They sound awesome. They are awesome. Um, they were put together specifically to, and this is not too much of a spoiler, it comes out pretty early in book one. They were put together specifically to test a different way to run a unit by the Democratic State Force, who are the folks fighting for democracy to return to America. But the Democratic State Force is a mix of people who study 
the army from 100 years ago and whoever got ran away or got kicked out of their corporations and whoever ended up there, rags, tags, waifs, and stories. But they try generally to run like the old American army, and that is a really bad plan because they live and die out there. They live their entire lives out there for the last four generations, and they're trying to run off of a system that was designed for soldiers who would you know, go on a deployment, maybe a couple, but they weren't living that life forever. So they were having really big problems with suicide rates, with friendly fire. Um, does anyone need an explanation of friendly fire? Okay, you know what friendly fire is, yeah. yeah. Um, so the administration said, we gotta change this. And there was one commander, Commander Taylor, who said, okay, let me try putting a base together that runs like a family. And everyone said, no, that's not gonna work. And he tried it. So we, so um, it worked for 25 years under Taylor and he created this multi-generational, really closely bonded unit <laughs> that could get each other through all this stuff there. They had um, no suicides. They had occasional people quit, but nobody killed themselves. They had no friendly fire. Everybody was amazed. And then Taylor died. And he was quite old and he got bone cancer and he died and the unit fell apart. They like the younger members started playing pranks on everyone. Like someone offended one of the girls on the base. So the logistics officer and logistics specialist and the munition specialist got together, got a hold of an inflatable sex, uh, sex toy sheep and, and put it on the other base and wrote on it. Next time you're horny. Things like that. This they started like in chapter one and two. Yes. Okay. They started pranking everyone. And into this mess, um, three commanders tried to enter and fill Taylor's shoes. And they got pranked until they left, until they asked for transfer. So finally, the sector commander, and a sector is about the size of a state, an American state, said, okay, I choose this guy. He's a good fit. He's fresh out of training and he's going to command the wild cards. And if he can't pull it off, then we're disbanding them and they failed experiment. And this, this person is Aiden Headley. And his response was, what? No, no, I'm not going into command. <laughs> and uh, he's, he's a trainer. Yeah. You're not going to go too much further into that. Okay. I know yeah. you could, like talk about that forever, and I don't want to spoil everything. I'm glad you said that. Good but job, no near. I was like, she's horrible. telling us everything. I was about to get the popcorn because I'm like, this right? is great. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like an audio book, and I'm just like, yeah, cool. <laughs> I know. Um, when I get nervous, I start talking faster. <laughs> that was all the backstory, so nothing's yeah, quite spoiled yet. I love yeah, the so this one starts with this poor young commander dropped in the middle of this group of craziness and absolute picture match 4077 crossed with minority report or um our publisher says uh firefly for the cyberpunk genre oh okay see those that are we can get on board with. yes yeah. yes yeah we like that um, like but more, yeah, 
it's very queer. Aiden's a trans guy. Um, there's he falls in love with Kevin. I mean, I am going to spoil that. Oh no, there's gay romance. Um, there's also gay explicit sex. What yeah. you said this was middle grade fiction. <laughs> no, no. In fact, we have funny moments at conventions where we tell people, yeah, there's a trans guy leading the team and and supportive parents are awesome. There are awesome supportive parents out there who are like, oh, my kid is trans. I need to grab this book. And we're like, how old is your kid? How old is your kid? We've also had some kids come up and look at the book and we're like, you might want to wait a couple of years. Yeah, kiddo, kiddo, not yet. <laughs> um, but the oh, other thing- oh, Wait, really I have this book. Oh, I have these books. <laughs> I do, don't I? Yes, you do. I haven't started them yet. <gasps> I have them. We know what you yes. have now. Yes, well, I, ha I also have James oh. books that I need to read too. <laughs> I, that's, a, that's the problem of being friends with creative people. You're always behind on somebody's work. It's yes. inevitable that you're always behind on somebody's work. I'm right? still finishing Jason's book right now. So, yeah. Well, it's an embarrassment of riches. It, it took, really is. It, it took Katie like five years to stop sending me things to read for her because she realized it took me three months to read stuff. Yeah. Um, guilty. Uh, I'm particularly guilty because yeah. I take three months off in the winter and I always say to everyone, oh, yeah, I'll do that this winter. And then I look at the winter list and I go, oh. Every time you know, Jane asks me to read something, I'm like, what's my deadline before I answer? Because I know that it might take me a little longer than expected. Well, that's what I've learned to say. I've been like, please give me a deadline. I mean, Noni, I love the fact that you're writing shorter stuff because I can read it in like a day and have the answers back to you. It's my last one. Yay! Working on it's um, massive so far. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah, Jason has my longest series. <laughs> Yeah, that, it and looks like a, I love everybody's work. It generally. looks like a six-year project, actually. Yes. <laughs> it's pretty hard, probably. It's just finding the time. It yeah. really is. It's just finding the time. Well, I don't. Uh, I, I don't think that. Impressive. I don't think you wanted to to read mine because I think mine was mine was horror, and you weren't yeah. into the horror. And but I have I a did, scary imagination. I sent you a short story though that was not horror. And yes. it is in my queue. Yeah, so that that one that one shouldn't be too scary. It's not Good. it's not scary at all. But no. I wanted to circle back to a point. Um, it's very the series is also very queer in that we stress there are queer platonic relationships. Like there is a lesbian married to a bisexual girl on the base, and they are a long term happy couple. They are goofy as anything. They are the uh, BJ and um, Hawkeye of the team. In terms of pranks, I'm not and sure I they, understand that. Mash. Uh, it's a Mash Bros. Yeah. 7 thing. Oh. They're the pranksters. Okay. Okay. Mash references. I just kind of smile and nod. Yeah, I, I don't. Oh, I, I never watched that. <laughs> that was that was a little before my time. I think right. you're, you're it was way before my time. I'm 32. But I I'm, I'm watching Mash, and I'm not much. Actually, I'm younger than you, Jason. <laughs> Mash is comfort food. For I me. watched it live. What? But um anyway, the reason I bring it up is because Sarah and Yvonne, they go out of their way to grab their buddy, Kevin, who's gay and a little bit shy about it. And they're like, Hey, hey, Kevin, he's cute. He's cute. You want to date him? I'll find out if he's gay. And Kevin's just like, I love you. Shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> no. 
no no near later in the series do you ever bring olivia to conventions with you to speak yes because i can see you being a phenomenal speaker on stage i mean you're you're just you're so animated i could just see you blowing people away with your stories um, we normally share a table at, when we're vending at cons, um, and sometimes it'll be just wild cards. Sometimes it'll be my business and her business. Sometimes it'll be a mix of all three. But regardless, I'm normally the one who's just sitting and like, if you're interested, I will draw you over and lives out there like, yeah. come, come by the thing. Yes. That's yes. <laughs> well, That's, I will, oh, damn it, cat. Oh. I'll be upfront about oh. this. It's a front. Um, I'm actually kind of an introvert but I put on the extrovert persona like armor. Oh, and then once weird. I'm done with people, it falls off again. This and I calm right down. Which, I mean, I will t- take advantage of. I'm sorry. I love you. I, well, I'm going to bounce it back on you, though. You're the one who keeps me literally from walking into walls at conventions. Mm-hmm. Because I, I get so focused on handling people that you're like, honey, honey, that's a wall. I'm the con parent. Yes, I you are the con parent. And I, because I need a con parent, otherwise I forget to eat. And and um, so for for folks I don't know well, I have hyperinsulinemia, which means I produce twice as much adrenaline as the human body ought to, wow. and double the insulin that a human wow. body should. So my darling con parent also occasionally goes, your hands are shaking. And I look mm-hmm. down and go, shit. Yep. Uh, excuse the curses, but yeah, that's exactly. You're drinking water. You know your schedule, so you show up to your panels on time. And not running. Mm-hmm. Yes, and um, we just got to comment that takes all the spoons. Yes, it does for both of us. Well, and I, I do want to I do want to take a second just to give a shout out to everyone who's commenting uh, because because there's been a lot of commenters. Uh, we have uh, Rebecca. We have uh, Janet, who who I haven't met before. Uh, we've got a few people I've met before. Uh, Muhammad, Jenna's on here. Robert Cano, uh, Wajid, Wajid, I, I believe, which is an amazing name. Julia. I mean, we've just got a, a ton of people on the feed. Thank you so much, everybody, for jumping on here and commenting. We we really enjoy seeing the comments, even if they don't all get popped up. Um, we love seeing them. Oh, oh, this one's nice great. One someone right? just someone just says another cat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. And Jack made his appearance earlier. It was not pretty. <laughs> was that um, the, the, the sound that we Yes. Had? That oh. was Jack saying, you're not talking to me. You're I was wondering what happened. Thing. I was like, is that one of the instruments? What um, is that? No, that was Jack. That was Jack announcing himself. And he's going to be in trouble for that later. Um, <laughs> um, but... On that note, I would like to piggyback off that to talk about um, writing what you know and passing on um, character traits to your book babies. Because we took my my wiring and put it into <laughs> normal people, your favorite fans. That's great. <laughs> um, and um, so we, we took some of my traits and put them into our little coder, Tweak, who is what's called a gamma. She is um, genetically, mo- her, gr- her grandparents were genetically modified in something like a Tuskegee experiment where they said, oh. we'll pay you and your kids will look great. Oh, that's And they'll drink Tuskegee. half as much food as they need. But they didn't tell them, this is totally experimental and you're not sure what will happen to your kids. <laughs> oh, Lord. So she has um, 
bad genetic splicing in her germline, which is the line that um, creates your kids for, for anybody who's watching. Oh. I told you she was a science nerd. I know, I know. You're oh, don't, well, don't, so, don't, don't tell us at all. So, <laughs> I mean, tell us at all, but <laughs> well, I'll just I'll just say this: tweak literally bounces off walls and she also we gave these traits to her of mine that uh, she yeah. can yeah she can run herself right into the ground quite literally she will run until she passes out and your so touch sensitivity and your uh, yep. hearing and there's yeah, so much of me and aiden so uh, is, is that her is that olivia's nickname is tweak no, no i don't act like tweak at all <laughs> tweak is you looking at me? You looking at me? <laughs> Tweak is more aggressive than you are, for sure. Okay. Yeah. She's well, so also less... Um, she expects the worst of people for good reason. I expect the best of people, and then I'm sad when they don't meet it. That's another way we balance really well, is that Liv tries really hard to be eternally optimistic, and I'm eternally pessimistic. Yeah. <laughs> so eventually, we Love come it. to realism together. Yes. Love it. That's a Love good it. partnership, then. Balance, like you were talking about, Katie. Yeah. Well, and, you know, as long as we're talking about this subject, I think that we need to have a discussion about who is the best doctor and Doctor Who. Because, I mean, this seems really relevant to me right at this moment. And I'm just going to stay, I'm, I'm going to take a hard stance and say Matt Smith um, is the best doctor. Go ahead and convince me otherwise. Everybody lives. He was he was great, but he only had one season. Are we talking modern Who or all of Who? Oh, I'm talking modern modern Who only because okay. that other the old stuff is old. Yeah, it's just too old. Peter Baker. Peter Baker. Tennant. Tennant. Nerd. I think mine. Although Eccleston runs him a close tie, just for the sheer depth of emotion overlaid by I got a job to do, which yeah. I really feel in my bones that I feel this, but I don't have time to feel it right now. So I will push it down. You know, uh, you... is the most relatable, but Tennant was, he was so animated and fun yes. and he got I... a long fun time. You got more time to really get to know him. Whereas Eccleston only got the one season and one season doctors are never the true doctor. It always takes another season for you to really see them. Yeah. Yes. And Tenet, you got to fall in love with them. Well, and what I loved about Tennant was all of that joy and exuberance, but, and people thought he was. Stop it, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice strategy. I think that's um, one of the reasons I like um, Jodie Whittaker so much is she reminds me a lot of Tennant. Yes. Yeah. A lot of physicality and the same excitement, but also like weariness about life. Well, and what really gets it for me is it was something that I appreciated was people think that if you're cheerful and upbeat, then you're fluffy and you're an airhead. They assume that you are senseless because you are cheerful. What I love about Tennant is that he liked to be in a state of exuberance and joy because he felt better there. But you piss him off and he is the oncoming storm and you are toast. You're and not. I loved watching him go from exuberant to uh-oh to oh, now I'm dealing with you. This is my and fighting watching, hand? Yeah. Well, and just watching him go, and now, 
now on the oncoming storm. When he started because explaining who he was, you knew you were in trouble. Yes. <laughs> um, so back in college, when I didn't have enough brain power to write regular, to write full work, but I still loved writing, I was writing fanfic. And I wrote a scene where somebody was demanding his name. And he's like, you want my name? Okay, then. And he gave like all his names. I got That's so good. <laughs> yes. Well, okay. So, no, dear. Um, who who here knows a little bit of folklore? Okay. Well, I'm I'm a Norse mythology nerd, and oh, wow. in the myth in the Eddas, Odin has I want to say over a hundred recorded names. Yep. Um. So, like, that scene just makes me think of Odin. Sorry. <laughs> I based it off the the um, Celtic power of the name, and so this creature is trying to like get control of him, and he basically beats it by confusing it by giving him by giving it so many names that it can't figure out what the hell is going on because it's trying for his true name, it's trying for power over him, and he's just like, "You want names? I got names," <laughs> and basically confused this fairy thing until it was just like. Nope, out. <laughs> so are, are there magical things happening in your book too? Then magical creatures and stuff. Not in this one. Not in okay. this one exactly. Although there is a hint of magic in book four, and that's all I'm telling you. Oh, all right. It's more of a, that, that magic is anything science can't explain. That's right. exactly right. That's and it's a, more of a based in real world pagan magic than a okay yeah father type magic. I, I yeah. bet. If the just... magic of changing your own soul through okay. ceremony, the ma magic of changing your own soul by choice is a big part of book four. Um, I was just going to say, if we were quiet, if we were quiet for a couple seconds, Liv, Liv will tell us exactly what it is. <laughs> I know, I got to shut up. <laughs> no need to read, just watch this. <laughs> no, read, because we need to make book sales. <laughs> Uh, please keep reading, please. <laughs> oh, that's that's cracking that's cracking me up. Speaking um, of reading, has anybody noticed a, an uptick on sales due to all the quarantining? I don't have any idea because I'm I'm with a publisher now, and so like I don't know have any idea what's happening. I have one short story out under my or two short stories out under my own name. I haven't marketed them at all, so no one knows they're there. <laughs> I have, um, so I do illustrated books on ethnobotany and folklore under my own name, and those have definitely upticked a bit. I think people are looking for, like, cheerful, happy things about flowers and plants right now, and they're just looking for pictures. Hey, somebody else is an 80s fan. I just saw that song <laughs> reference. Yay, other 80s fans. <laughs> so that, um, that would be Rebecca. She is actually my, my publisher for my, my new book. Yeah, nice. a, a, good, a good friend of the show. Re Rebecca is fantastic. I, I promise I won't try to sing it because Nonier is a much better singer than I am. No, no, no. Come on. Let's, let's, I, come on. I will not sing. <laughs> Is it that every little thing you every every little thing you do is magic? Is that the song we're talking about? Yes. All right, come on. All right, somebody start it off, and I'll join in. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> not happening. I don't have a voice for folk songs. I do not have a voice for actual rock songs, and when I try to sing them in the shower, it ends badly. It usually ends with a cat howling outside the bathroom door. Yeah, the cat howls at you like all the time, anyway. <laughs> 
Kat thinks it's a cater wall. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, good stuff. So what yeah, were we I, talking? We were talking about uh, and then we were talking tenant, and I was gonna bring up good omens. Oh my yes. god, I love good so omens. Good. <laughs> oh, thank you, Katie, from for telling me to watch that. Oh, just best thing ever. Best. I was so scared yeah. because I am a huge Pratchett fan, and I was I've seen the other uh, movie adaptations. Uh, so I was not looking I was Jean and David Tennant together. How could they go wrong? Yeah. Did you all see the um the quarantine video they just put out like not yet. No, I need to find this. I think my roommate said it was on uh Sir Pratchett Sir Terry's uh YouTube channel and it was the two of them as a zero pale and curly what they were doing during all of this. We're watching that tonight. Yeah. I mean it's it's short, it's like 10-15 minutes, but how do you spell a zero feel? <laughs> I-R-A-P-H-A-L-E. I was going to answer with difficulty. It's one of my favorite books ever. Like I see my problem is I listen to almost everything in audio. So people ask me, how do you spell that? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Never seen it written down. Yeah, Noni, or you rattled that off like it was nothing, and that was a yeah, hard I have one. A problem. <laughs> wow. Oh yeah, good omens. Lockdown. Yep. All right. I'll be is watching the, that. Uh, we're done. Is the <laughs> show is the show over, guys? Are we still going? Or wow, look at him. He's like, and we're done. <laughs> <laughs> There's new good omens material, guys. Come on. Bye bye. <laughs> Lots of good omens material if you go on three. True. And there's your squirrel moment. Yes, oh. Yes. <laughs> oh goodness, goodness. Hey, this has been fun. Look at it. it's been like 50 minutes already. Wow. Yeah. Like, Olivia wow. talked most of it. <laughs> I love well, you. She's Guilty. really good at talking, okay? She's <laughs> really good at explaining the book, so. <laughs> hey, I haven't seen anybody but my husband and my cat and I'm my co worker. I love you, but I'm still going to see you. <laughs> Olivia, Olivia, could you please explain to us um, the entire book, Good Omens? <laughs> Abusing um, <laughs> Christian mythology with the best results. That pretty much sums it up. I love it. That was fantastic. That was, that was really good. Boy, <laughs> could you could you help me come up with catchphrases for my books? Because that was it's, bam. It's one of my jobs in our team is to come up with the catchphrases and the titles. Um, That's cool. Because um, because I I love I you <laughs> yeah, I love you dearly, but you titled the book I'm working on right now. They find Janice a man. <laughs> that yes, look at, I love that look title. At the one. You titled it Aiden and Kevin Find Janice a Man. I mean, that's how I name most of my files. And then I come up with a title eventually. That's like a sitcom uh, title. <laughs> we, we were goofing around the other day and we came up, we actually came up with a great title between us of a short story. It's going to be called Bottom Dealing. And, uh, it's going to be one of the smutty ones, and I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, so what we do is, in between each novel, we put a short story, and we mark them 0.5. So we do 1.5, 2.5, 3.5. And it's a chance to just sit with our characters when they're not getting shot at or in huge danger. Sometimes it's romantic. Sometimes it's just world-building, community-building culture building um and the last one we did which is going to come out in october for halloween 
is um, it's called Bad Hand, and it's about Day of the Dead celebrations among these people who regularly lose friends and family and have to deal with that. And it's also in a world where all of Northern Mexico and a lot of Southern uh, USA has become one giant desert called the Mex Desert because it's just unbelievably, unbearably Death Valley hot. You can't live there, you can't. Um, so that whole area has just become a desert. And at one point, somebody's talking about the history. We, we have one character who's just, uh, he's a huge history buff, which he gets teased for, but it's a great access character because it lets us deal with all that. How, how um, should I just let her go? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if you could see me looking down at you and I'm just like, this is great. <laughs> She'll keep going. Yes. You gotta get to play her off music. <laughs> we're not get people wicked interested, and we're we're just quietly listening because it's interesting. So that's a really I appreciate that. I, I do get off onto a spiel. I'll, I'll admit that freely. That's oh, okay, uh, Olivia. <laughs> I I love it. I I love it. When people ask me to tell me about my book, I'll I'll give like this half-hearted half sentence, and I'm like, oh, it, it will it, horror blood. <laughs> well, it comes from coming from a huge family. Unless you talk fast and loud, you don't get heard. So you learn to talk very fast and very loud. And I'm the opposite. Yeah. And I'm quiet and I wait for my turn. But as far as like describing books goes, I, I've spent so much time in the traditional publishing arena trying to get an agent and whatnot that I have my log line. That is how I describe my, the books. I have a sentence, maybe two. And that works for publishing, not so much for trying to sell at cons. Mm. That's when we need Olivia. <laughs> so that's why I, I just let her run with it. Like you can you can do the talking thing. I'll do the, the backup and talking about queer stuff thing. Yeah. No, it works out. have a great team. You really do. Thanks. We 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 put together things we're really really proud of. I will say that we've we've it put helps. together some stuff. Huh? It helps that we're both passionate about the project. Yeah, yeah. It's true. Well, and we're also Olivia doesn't sound very excited about. It. <laughs> <laughs> we're also very passionate about helping our community. So I'm gonna do a bit of a shameless plug. Do um, it. Do I mean, it. That's what this entire show is, right? <laughs> there is that. Um, so in the back of each book, we wanted to make sure we weren't just saying, hey, buy our stuff. It has queer representation because there is something of a fetishizing that goes on sometimes in the writing community that's not pretty. So in the back of each of our books, there's a bunch of resources for folks who are going through the issues that show up in the book out there. So there's a whole list of resources um, for... Yeah. Both, both. All of the books deal with a lot of heavy mental health issues and queer issues, and we didn't want to just throw those at, a, at the reader and let them deal with it on their own, especially since we know that some of it could potentially be triggering for certain people. Yeah. So we wanted to provide, hey, if you're struggling with this, like this character is, here are some resources that you can find right here, right now. Yeah, so the first few um, resources are um, Crisis Text Line, Trevor Lifeline, um, places you can reach out to that moment 
because we want people, especially if they're in a fragile place, the minute they put the book or the minute they turn the last page, it's a, a note from one of the characters from the story saying, hey, you know, I'm going through this stuff. Are you going through it? Here are some resources. Mm -hmm. And then the list, yeah, the list gets um, progressively more um, more rich in resource. So it's not just called a crisis line, but here's this help group. Here's this bigger website of resources. Is this uh, specific to your region or is it is meant to be nationwide, these resources? It's international as much as okay. we can. Um, is, is that something that uh, you could send me? Because I think I told you before and I never followed up with you. I'd like to, uh, to include that right on the Unafraid podcast page. Um, sure. So that there are resources up there for people. Um, sure. I'd be ha I mean, we'd be happy to. I can take care of it, Nonia, probably tonight. Um, I'll have to make sure that all of them are applicable, but I think I think everything we've got. Um, do you want the ones for veterans? Because some of our characters, I mean, all of our characters are in a war, so we put in stuff for vets, too. Yeah, sure. Send, send over whatever you, you have, if you don't mind terribly. Yeah, of course. No awesome. problem. We'd be glad to. Well, yeah. you guys have, oh, go ahead, as well is that we both struggle with our own mental issues that um, have also been put into characters in the book. Um, but we've both kind of run up to that thing of people saying, well, if you're struggling, get help and not knowing where to start even looking. And that. it almost yeah. becomes a form of dismissal, like go get help. It's like yeah. saying, go sit down. Well, and I think that that's sometimes, okay, because when, when I was going through my own mental health crisis a couple of years ago, um, and several oh. of my children are too, unfortunately, but, um, you know, I, I had a couple of family members that said, you know, don't, don't be depressed. You know, you have so much to be happy about. And, you know, obviously that's, that's not realistic for someone with a mental illness. Um, however, that's, well, have you tried not having a broken leg? That's right. That's right. But, you know, it, but at the same time, I recognize that it's also a way of trying to deal with a situation that they, they don't, they don't understand. Mm -hmm. um, so they're, they're saying just the first thing that pops into their head. And um, I think that it's really important that, and, and wonderful that you guys are providing people with uh, resources that, that could really help um, coming from people that have struggled with their own issues. Yeah. Um, well, you know how important that is. Exactly. Rawr. Come on, Nonia. <laughs> you got this. Yeah, you got it. Mental health stuff is what I'm really passionate about. Um, and there's this uh, misconception around depression in particular, which I struggle with and Aiden struggles with in the book um, that, you know, it's completely tied to your circumstances and you can shake it off and it's just being sad. And it's so much more complicated than that um, because by all standards, I have an extremely privileged life and I'm not going to deny that. But my brain chemistry still thinks that I'm the worst and like it's, it can be very, very subtle. And I think that portraying that in a more realistic way in fiction is a good way to start a conversation as well. And to start getting that awareness out that it's not just, I'm gonna sit in the room, in my room all night with the uh, lights off, huddled in the blanket crying and going to have these tendencies that are like the very stereotypical depressed. Um, 
Well, you yeah. know, Nonir, I would, I would really love to have a longer conversation with you about writing for mental illnesses because mm -hmm. here's the, there's a problem with with realistic depression. I I think that it's it's not very sexy for genre fiction. Um, it doesn't have a whole lot of pop and bang to it, and 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 so I I don't think it attracts the eye as much, and people are frightened to read it. Um, which is why, yeah, I mean, in my current work in progress, you have a very, very depressed person, but I, I added in a, a supernatural thing that, that added to it because I, I just didn't think people would be able to relate to it, even though I can relate to it. So, but I, I think there are so many things that we, oh, go ahead. A lot more people struggle with this than you think. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people aren't aware of it and don't know to seek help because it's not as dramatic. Okay. Agreed. So, okay. I like that. Okay. I mean, I, I don't like that, but it, that makes sense, sense to me. That, yeah. that, that works in my brain. I think brain. a lot more people can relate to it than you think. Okay. And I wanted to add that note. It doesn't have to be sexy, but it is relatable. And sometimes it makes a more powerful character because, um, when we're writing Aiden and when Nonia wrote Aiden um, in draft one, he was the character who would walk up to somebody who was going through some shit and he wouldn't say, Oh, buck up. And he wouldn't say, you'll, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. He'll say, he would say, this really sucks. Doesn't it? And he the person who was, yeah, he was more empathetic because of it. And he was the one who would get somebody through it. Cause he would actually say, yeah, I know it sucks. Which again is a part of me that made it into him. Whoops. But it's also what makes you such an awesome person because you're one of the few people people can be honest with when they're like, I don't want to suck. Yeah. Um, and so, <laughs> but it is a power. I mean, yes, it's, it's debilitating sometimes, but there's power in it that it gives you more insight and more attention to other people's emotional states and more empathy because you've been in the dark and you know how to light a candle or at least turn yeah, some days and some days, you know, it, you're just going to be in the dark and it just sucks and you don't try to fix other people. I often joke with people that my superpowers are depression and overeating. Yeah. <laughs> that is such a mood. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, all right, guys, it, it, you know, I really feel like that I could talk to the two of you for a really long time. I, I really enjoy talking to you guys. I mean, you know, Katie and Jay, and you know, I love you guys anyway. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> you know, I've moved on now. I, I now I've. <laughs> yeah. I feel bad that you guys didn't get to say very much. I'm sorry about that. That's okay. You're our uh, guest. That's right. <laughs> but uh, we we are at the uh, oh we're actually a little bit over our hour now, so we're gonna wrap things up and uh, say goodbye. And um, I just want to thank you, thank you both for coming on the show. It was really great to have you. Yeah, thank you for having. Well, thank me. you. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot. It was a lot of fun. Awesome. And to everyone who is watching, listening, commenting, thank you so much for being here. Like it, share it, do whatever you got to do. Show us you love it, and uh, we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.